Well, hello, hello, hello. Happy Friday. It is almost the weekend again. I am so excited and I am just as excited for our Friday 15 today. If you're new to the Friday 15, welcome to our stream. Uh, every Friday at 12 p.m. Central Time, we go ahead and answer the travel industry questions that you've submitted. If you aren't sure where you can submit questions, you can put them in the comments on YouTube, or you can go to hostagencyreviews.com slash Friday15 and submit them there. I am Steph Lee, and I will be answering your questions today. So let's see what we got on the docket. First one um, is anonymous because they're asking about a specific host agency. Um, they say, thanks so much for the info you provide on host agencies. We've hit a stumbling block and I'm hoping you may have some insight. We really like a host agency and thought it would be a great match for us. However, our travel company is set up as an LLC. There are two of us to provide us with some level of personal protection. We don't want to leave our families homeless if something went catastrophically wrong and we were sued. 100% on board with that. Great idea. Love the LLC. I would have thought that an LLC was a common entity in the travel industry, but apparently this host requires its contract to be between them and the agents individually, which legally we can't do as an LLC. Is this something you've encountered? Is there a way around it? Or can you suggest any host agencies that work with LLCs? So great questions in here. Um, first of all, I did reach out to the host agency that you mentioned in there, and I think there was a misunderstanding. Um, so let me kind of explain this. So, cause it, it is a little bit confusing. So as an LLC, that's great you're set up as that because that gives you personal protection. Um, your company as an LLC is seen separate so they can't go after any of your personal assets like your house or your car or your savings account and banking accounts. Now, what probably happened with you, I'm guessing, is a host agency, when they have you sign the contract, you can't sign the contract as host agency reviews. You have to have some kind of representative from your company that's signing it, so a person. And I'm guessing that probably the way they explained it was a little bit confusing and made it sound as if they needed someone to personally sign it that was going to take on the personal risk um, of the company. So that would mean if the host agency you owed the host agency money for some reason that they could go after the person that signed it personally. And that is not the case. If you're an LLC, if you sign up as a sole proprietor, uh, which is a different business structure, you could they could go after your personal assets. So I'm going to have April and Mary put in the links an article to um, that goes over the different types of business structures. Um, and we'll also put that if you're listening to this in the show description. But um, think of I think the easiest way to think about this is when you're an LLC, the important thing to do um, to make sure that people can't go after your personal assets, because just because you're an LLC does not mean that they can't go after your personal assets. You have to actually practice good bookkeeping which means that you're keeping your personal finances and your business finances separate. What do I mean by this? So sometimes I accidentally maybe put the wrong card on or something and I pay maybe my cell phone bill out of my personal account instead of my host agency reviews account. That is a no-no. It happens occasionally and that's fine. 
The problem is when someone is constantly paying business bills from their personal account or vice versa, they're paying personal bills from their business account. What that does is it muddies that line between your personal assets and your business assets. And if you do that on a regular basis, any creditors that are coming after you, they can look at your LLC and do something that's called piercing the corporate veil, which means essentially that they're going to say, listen, they're set up as an LLC, but you can see that Stephanie pays all of her personal bills from the business account. So is are they really separate? No. So we should be able to go after the personal assets. So the first thing I want you to know is practice really good bookkeeping to keep your LLC separate. But when you are signing contracts, you do have to sign. Someone personally has to put their signature on there. But that does not mean that they are going to be held personally responsible for any debts of your, your travel agency or that they can be sued. All it means is that they're a representative of your travel agency because you can't just sign it post-agency reviews. So for instance, on our site, when I work with the different advertisers that come on, I'm working with a bunch of host agencies and suppliers, and somebody from those companies is actually signing those contracts, some kind of a representative. I don't get Carnival Cruise Line signing on there. I have whoever's in charge of their marketing is signing that. But that does not mean that I can go after them personally for anything. So hopefully that answers some of your questions and relieves a little bit of the stress behind that because... Host agencies work with LLCs all the time. It's totally normal when you sign personally with your name. If you're an LLC, it does not mean you're going to be held personally responsible as long as you're practicing good uh, bookkeeping and accounting practices. I'll also put a link uh, in the YouTube comments as well as in the show description that will go over uh, an article we have on independent independent agent contracts with host agencies. So that's a great thing to look at just to be aware of if you are signing a contract with a host agency, it goes over everything you should be looking at and be aware of how you want your commissions laid out on there. What happens if um, the commissions aren't, if you leave, are those commissions paid out? What happens if um, you end up owing the host agency money? Can they take that money out of your commissions? All of that. All of those things should be spelled out in your contract. So we'll put a link to that as well for a resource. So thank you, Anonymous, for asking that great question. I'm sure you are not the only one that has um, thought that and come across it, especially if it wasn't explained properly. So our next question comes from Thomas. Uh, Thomas is actually asking Mary, but Mary is camera shy at least right now. And so I will answer it. So he asked Mary, what is the best amount for an advisor that is changing from not charging fees to charging a fee to use? So, or what would be the best way to figure it out? Thank you. Well, Thomas, great question. Uh, the first thing I'm going to do is put a link to uh, our fee survey, which has all sorts of great data that can help you make data-driven decisions so that you're not charging $10,000 more than anyone else, that you're on par with kind of what the rest of the travel industry is charging. Now, having said that, if you're trying to figure out what to charge for fees, it's really gonna vary. I'm afraid I don't have a like perfect answer for you. It's gonna depend on what type of fee you're charging. So say for instance, you wanna charge for airline tickets. 
a service fee for airline tickets, which is the most common thing that travel agents charge for. Um, I can give you really great numbers on that because it's 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 really great across the board across travel agencies. A lot charge the same thing. So for domestic air, most agencies charge about thirty dollars, and for international air, they charge fifty dollars. So there you go for service fees for airline tickets. Now, when we start looking at things like consultation fees, um, charging for FITs or groups, things get a little bit more complicated, Thomas. So my advice to you there would be, number one, go to the fee survey and look at the data there because it will give you some ideas. So for instance, if you're looking at charging a consultation fee, it will tell you the most common structure for a consultation fee is uh, a one-time fee. So that's because you could charge an hourly fee. You could charge a um, you could charge a lot of a lot of different structures there. But the most common one is a flat fee, and it's a one-time fee. And or excuse me, it's a flat fee, and it's one hundred and twenty-five dollars is the most common amount that people are charging. Now. If you're doing really complex FIT to maybe remote regions or regions people would have a lot more difficulty booking, maybe $125 is not enough for you. So you could be charging, you know, we have um, on our Travel Agent Chatter podcast, we have guests that charge up to $500 per airline ticket. Um, we have people that charge $500 um, for a consultation fee per person for bookings. So the consultation fees, there's really a lot that goes into it. So I would say, use that data that's in the fee surveys to guide you. But what I would do is ask yourself, how much do I what's my goal in charging these fees? How much do I need to make in order to make this worth my time? So that's what I did when I started host agency reviews. So I knew that we 95% of our income here comes from advertising. And I knew that there's only so many host agencies out there and that the leads, the business to business leads that come in are really high value. And so I made the decision with my advertising to charge higher rates, um, knowing that these leads are very valuable, but also that I didn't want to work with 100 different, 100 different host agencies and advertisers because that's a lot more work. I would rather have more host agencies or less host agencies paying more than I would have more host agencies paying less because that means less work for me. So kind of think about it that way too, Thomas. Uh, would you rather charge higher rates and be more hands-on with your clients and know that they might be higher maintenance? Um, or would you rather charge lower rates and have more clients? Um, and what, you know, what, what feels right to you is kind of the idea and what do you feel comfortable charging? So I hope that helps a little bit, Thomas. There's no like one answer. I would say once you come up with the answer of what will make it worth it to you, check against the data and see if it's a weird outlier. If you're charging $1,000 per person, there better be a reason you're charging $1,000 per person. But if you're charging $250 versus $125 for your flat rate for clients, that's it seems like a big difference, but it's not going to be that big of a difference if you can tell yourself why you're worth the 250 over the 125. Come up with those reasons, those tangible reasons on what they're getting from you for that extra $125.
All right. If you are just joining us, welcome. This is the Friday 15, and I am Stephanie Lee. I answer your travel industry questions every Friday at 12 p.m. Central Time. You can join us on YouTube, or we also push it out via our podcast. So let's move into our last question for the day. This is a cute one. Um, okay, so this is from Laura. Laura says, oh my goodness, I need some help. I'm stuck in analysis paralysis. I'm interviewing host agencies and I'm starting to get so confused. And then she has an emoji of like really confused. So some are very expensive and some not so much. I don't know if this is one of those situations where I should be paying more to get more or if I just need to pick one with the basics and hope for the best. And then another cute emoji. Uh, I'm, a, I'm an emoji, emoji person too, Laura. Uh, so I love this. My first piece of advice to you, Laura, is take a deep breath and relax. Analysis paralysis is the worst. Take a deep breath. Choosing a host agency may feel like the end of the world and it's going to make or break your agency. But I will tell you from experience, it can help with your agency, but it's not going to make or break it. Because the beauty of joining a host agency is you are not tied to that host agency. And if you find it's not a good fit, you can always leave. So know that, take a deep breath. This is not like the end of the world if you make the wrong decision. In fact, um, I just wanna share with you that it is very, very common for agents within their first couple years to change host agencies from the one that they originally signed on with. And the reason is because of course you don't know the industry really well. Your agency may change the direction it's going in. You may decide that you wanted to do groups instead of family vacations. And there's a host agency that was a better fit. So once you start to know the industry better, you can always move to a host agency that's a better fit for you and your agency structure at the moment. Um, resources. I want to link in the comments and we'll also put it in the show description of our article on tips for choosing a host agency for you. It is filled with tons of information on things to consider. Um, so that you can look in for more details, Laura. But here's my advice for you. Don't let cost be your driving factor. Because a host agency is charging $2,500 or $500 or $300, that doesn't mean that they're going to be the $2,500 one is gonna be the best fit for you versus the $500 one. There's a lot more that comes into play with that. So I would have you kind of do some self-reflection and look at what is really important for you in a host agency. And I would make a list of your must-haves versus nice-to-haves. Like what must this host agency have that's important for you? Do they need to have you know, their customer support desk open until 8 p.m. your time? Do they need to have Carnival Cruise Lines or Trafalgar Tours as a preferred supplier? Make those must-haves and nice-to-haves and then kind of see which host agencies rise to the top. Um, you can look at price then and kind of see what makes sense to you, but then give them a call because I think one of the biggest unseen things about joining a host agency that you can't put on paper is that culture behind the host agency. So give them a call and see what the culture is like because it's they're essentially your business partner and you want to like the culture of the company. 
So say for instance, me, I'm kind of a, I don't like being put in a box. I don't like corporate structure at all. I would die if I was um, put in a cubicle in a corporate world. So me signing on with a host agency that had a very corporate fill would probably kill my spirit. So for you, call those host agencies and see how you connect with them um, and let that be kind of one of the driving factors as well with who you select. So once you've done that, you know, narrow it down to your top three and the article we'll be linking to, there's a spreadsheet, which I'm sure you're using, um, but that helps you keep track of all the important things, um, you know, looking at what's included. Do they have E&O insurance? Do they require that you get it or is it included? Uh, do they have, you know, what are their customer service hours? Do they have a certain amount of direct mail pieces each quarter that you can send out for free? Do they have an email marketing program and a website program? Is that important to you? So it can help you look at things a little bit more objectively. Um, and I think my, we're running out of time, but my final piece of advice for you, Laura, is not to stress, take it easy, and to know that price is not like, someone that again, you're paying $5,000 for their program is not necessarily going to be a good fit for your agency. It, it um, They may be throwing in a lot of bells and whistles that you don't need. So don't let you, don't let yourself feel like you're missing out because you didn't pay the $5,000. On the flip side, you know, if that's a great fit for you and offering everything you need and really a lot of handholding and you can afford the $2,000 or $5,000 and it feels like a really good fit, then don't be afraid to go for that either. Um, and with that, my friends, we are wrapping up and getting ready for the weekend. So thank you again for joining us for the Friday 15. You can see a list of our past episodes at hostagencyreviews.com slash Friday 1-5. And you can also go ahead and submit any questions you might have there. I don't know the answers to everything. And if I don't know them, I will go ahead and find them out for you. So thank you again for joining us. We will see you next week. Enjoy the beautiful weekend and get rested up for Monday. It's going to be another fun work week. Ciao.